Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Damien Christoph and Dr. Brett Hill. Hey Brett, this episode's brought to you by Forage. Forage, love my Forage cereal, Damo, my Forage Paleo, with uh, such a great way to start the day. I make my little homemade almond meal, uh, almond milk, I should say. I put some uh, strawberries on it. It's yum. beautiful. Yum, 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 yum. Yeah, I love Forage. Um, I created it with your health in mind, and obviously I created Paleo because you told me to. And uh, so <laughs> thank you so much for that. But this episode is brought to you by Forage. It's a great tasting, incredibly healthy, no added nasty muesli range that uh, I created to help you stay well. So if you want to see more about it, go to www.foragecereal.com. This is when the festival fell apart and I was so angry. And I was saying, this woman is a psychopath. She's this, she's that. And uh, talking to someone and they said, how do you know that's true? But no, do you yes. Can you be absolutely certain that that's true? Yeah. Of course. That's so powerful, isn't it? Going on. And then she said, how do you know it's true? And I went, shit, I don't. And it was like <laughs> thought just fell apart. Hi, this is Damien Christoph. And this is Brett Hill. Hello, mate. How are you, buddy? Oh, great, mate. Oh, this is that was a really great interview. I know it seems like a bit I've got a bit of a crush on Tony, but I don't. I just really love her wisdom. Well, Damon, I'm glad I did this interview. I know you're glad we did this interview. I have yeah. a suspicion that maybe Amber and Steph might be glad we did this interview because there <laughs> yeah. were just some really great insights into positivity and mindset, but particularly relationships and, and how we relate to other people that I think are just fascinating. You know, I said to Tony off air that she kind of reminds me a little bit of one of my favorite interviews, which was Byron Katie. Yeah. Um, and it's a similar sort of message, but, but just a different perspective on it. There's just some great information shared in this one that I think absolutely every single person can benefit from. Mm, yeah, I agree. And it's also uh, interesting to understand how the brain actually works. And we do touch on it in this interview, how the brain works and how you lie to yourself and how you don't remember things. And, you know, whilst you, you might think that that's true, how do you know it's actually true? There's some fascinating things. In fact, there's a little quote that I, I managed to uh, record off air that I'm going to drop into the start of this um, this little podcast before we get going, Bredo. Nice. Good one, Damo. Well, let's get into it because this is a goodie. It is a goodie. Very, uh, very excited. I interviewed this beautiful woman uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually, on 100 Not Out. And, uh, and Tony Powell uh, joins us today, um, you know, speaking on all different things, but she's very involved in, uh, in a positive mindset, positive attitude. And she's written a great book, which I've absolutely loved, and I've been telling heaps of people about it. In fact, I'll be honest, when, I, when we did the interview um, on 100 Not Out, I hadn't properly sunk my teeth into it. I read a few things and I flicked through it. I've gone, oh, that's a cool book, nice. But then at the end of the interview, I thought, I've got to go and read this book because it sounds fantastic and it's a great book and I recommend it to heaps of people all the time now. So um, we'll get stuck into this uh, little chat with our great friend Tony and then we'll uh, I'll talk more about the book later on. Hey, Tony, it's great to have you join us on The Wellness Guys. Very exciting to be here. <laughs> Tony, you just got back from traveling, you said, and, uh, and and we were talking about this off air, and I said, hang on a second, don't lose the gold. You said something that kind of struck me, um, and, and I was a little bit floored by it because it was such a good thing to hear, and that was that Australia is ahead of the game in terms of the positivity movement being taught in schools. Now, that really surprises me. Can you give me some context around that? Way ahead of the game. Uh, Geelong Grammar? Uh, uh, heard 
Martin Seligman speaking, who is considered the father of positive psychology, and immediately saw an application for this to go into schools and with the idea that if you could alter the way the kids were experiencing the world and life and make them a lot happier, then they would learn better. And certainly the the uh, stats are there in research that the that happy people learn better and that the more resilient people get into less difficulties through life. So Geelong Grammar and the Institute of Positive Education have been spending the last 10 years teaching this and uh, the world leaders in this. I've just been to a conference and there were people from all over the world coming to hear what uh, Australia has to say on this subject. That's fantastic to hear, Tony, that Australia is ahead of the game because sometimes it seems like we're a bit behind the game on some of these sort of issues and health and well-being. So to hear that we're ahead of the game on this one particular area is very exciting. And so I guess for those people who don't know about uh, what this positive mindset movement is all about, um, you know, they they sort of – I guess people think of positive mindset and they they sort of have a a bit of an idea of what that might mean, but they can't, I guess, in – I don't understand how that can be a whole profession and a whole movement. You know, it's obviously more than just trying to think positive thoughts. So can you explain to people exactly what it is that we're talking about? And, you know, you've spoken a bit about the history of it, but I'd love to hear more about where it's come from and where it's going. Oh, goodness, that is a big subject. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I will talk for me personally because I think it's really easy to talk um academics on this subject and then fail to understand what this actually means in a life and therefore in a student's life or in a mother's life or in a grandmother's life uh, because people talk about positive psychology and learning these skills. But what, what people don't understand, I think, is that for the most part we are living in an incredibly stressed world. You know, we're just constantly exposed to media and it makes us afraid we're we're being told through advertising that we've got to do this be this have this in order to get happy and we think happiness is somewhere out there and we're wanting that person to come and make it us happy or that thing or that job and we're in this constant striving mode and also a constantly stressed mode of time um, money all sorts of things are stressing us and we've tend to feel quite anxious as a society. But what what that means is that it puts our brains into a place where we're in survival mode and it doesn't make for a lot of joy. It doesn't make for good relationships. It makes for all sorts of negative emotional things and negative emotions are good at the right time. It's good to be angry at the right time. It's not good to be angry all the time and it's not good to be afraid all the time. It's not good to be stressed all the time. And when we do that, the really the front area of our brain that we need to make decisions to be wise, to be smart, where our personality is, is shut down by to a degree by the stresses we're under. And if we allow stress, anger, unforgiveness, resentment, all that to govern our lives, then we don't live really wonderful lives. We don't learn very well. We don't learn do relationships very well. We end up drinking too much, needing drugs, eating too much, shopping, all sorts of things to fill that void that is left. And when you learn skills like gratitude and meditation, your brain changes to such an extent that the world you experience changes. There's, 
There's some other things though, Tony, that you talk about in your book and we'll jump straight into the relationship thing because that's, I think you're a master at it. Um, in your book, uh, which is, that's called What a Feeling, Finding Love, Freedom and the Good Life Through Creating Great Relationships, you actually highlight some of the inconsistencies in and around, or the, not necessarily inconsistencies, but the, the differences between the way in which people interpret things that are said versus what are really meant when people actually say things. And I think it's hilarious. Like, you know, there's examples that you give of you and your husband um, with regards to the bin in the kitchen. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of communication, um, in Australia, we, we have become very polarizing, very, um, you know, right or wrong, good or bad, black or white, you know, there's kind of no color area. There's no color space. It's like, it's just one or the other. And that absence of kind of space or absence of rhythm or absence of sound or whatever that you might actually use as an analogy between the notes is uh, is kind of deafening. Like we've, got, we've got a point now where if you're having a conversation, you don't agree with somebody, then the conversation's over. It's, it's a real shame. And do you think that that's... Um, Un- unraveling the fabric of relationships in our society? I, I do think there is a growing is growing intolerance, growing impatience, um, and you're right, people polarise very quickly. They just, they said that and now I'm not speaking to them sort of thing. Uh, I, partly this is also the incredible stresses we're under is because when, when an animal or a human animal even is stressed, the, the the kind of first stop is selfishness because you've got to save yourself. Um, yeah, so good point. You really shut down a lot of nuance um, and get into survival mode. So I think this is also a symptom of survival mode is are they for me, are they against me? <laughs> okay, I'm getting out of gun. Um, so, yeah, I do I do think we are getting very fractured and it's it's very worrying and for me it was incredibly exciting to find out uh, many of the things that I wrote about in the book that that we are experiencing the world very differently from each other that we actually do not live in identical worlds to each other that even visually what we see outside our window or in our house or in our child's face is uh, has been sieved through everything else that ever happened to us so when we're trying to come to an understanding with another person, they're not in the same world we are exactly. So we're never going to really come together the same. And we also have this idea that we're deep down right, which is just bonkers. I mean, if you think about it, that we could ever really think we have the final say or that we actually know what's going on. You know, the universe is enormous and there are billions of us and there's so much more information that we have no idea about to kind of dig in and decide we're right mm. is a bit crazy and yet we do it and we, yet we're really My into wife's it. always right. <laughs> yeah, that's-, <laughs> that's different. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, Tony, I'd, I'd love to explore this a little bit more. I think, you know, when people start talking about, um, you know, positivity and happiness and well, whatever, you know, emotion they're looking for, whether it's peace or whatever it is, I think sometimes people kind of fall into the trap of almost wanting to go the other way. You know, you've spoken about how stressed out people are and how stressed out their lives are. But I think then sometimes people think that, well, maybe my life is supposed to be happy all the time or positive all the time. And, uh, you know, almost I think people almost stress themselves out because they're not able to create that sort of 
perfection in their life when they want to, you know, flip it around and go the other way as well. I mean, do you see that when you're when you're working with people and helping people? And you know, how do people find, I guess, a a positive, happy place without having to feel like it has to be happy all the time? Or as you said, you know, allowing for the the anger and the, and the other emotions to come through as well. Well, I. Uh... The world is not often a happy place. I mean, th- stuff happens, life happens, and, and life can be extremely painful. I think what what people who are really into positive psychology and um, a positive mindset understand is that it's having a set of tools to use as needed to have the guts to get through life without disintegrating and I think it's really easy to disintegrate in life to 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 lose your confidence to lose your self-respect because we all do stupid dumb things and this set of tools that you can gain uh enable you to go through the rough stuff I, I don't mean you go through life without crying and smiling all the time absolutely not uh, but you do have the tools to handle. It's like I guess it's a difference between being in a boat or in a boat with oars. You've got some control uh, when the weather's bad. Sometimes it's not great to be in a boat. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, especially without oars. <laughs> Jeepers. Imagine you weren't going anywhere. That would be no good. At the ebb and flow, it wouldn't be uh, wise. But, you know, uh, the, one of the things that I love about you, Tony, in your writing style in your book is the way in which you draw metaphors or draw upon metaphors and then you, you unravel that metaphor and you make it uh, so simple for people, to, the reader, to actually, you know, piece together and see it in their life. But there's something that really stood out for me in your book um, that was kind of like it was a, not a game change. It was like a an aha moment, and I don't know if I've ever done this before with my expectations. But I, I see a lot of people these days seeking gratification and happiness from other people. So through Facebook or Instagram, when they put their show reel up of all the great things that are happening in their life, people then you know kind of think that they need someone else to make them happy. Um, and you go on to talk about happiness in your book, and you mention that, in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll read a quote here. Um, my big fat rela- relationship advice is learn how to be happy. And then you go on to say, when you look to people to fulfill you, it's very easy to respond with resentment at their failure to do so. In other words, if you're waiting for people to fulfill you, um, they're going to let you down, uh, which I really liked. You haven't yet realized that you've asked people for the impossible. And I love that advice because so many people are looking um, outwardly um, for someone to prop them up, but really they've got to learn how to do it themselves. Is this a big thing for people to do? Is it hard for people to do? I don't think it's hard, but I think it's not taught to people very often or or it's made extremely complicated. Uh, but I was taught that all you need to do is start, if, if so whatever you're looking for, Give it to yourself. So if you're looking for I'm a good mum, tell yourself you're a good mum. I'm a good mum because your children may not tell you. <laughs> your children might say totally <laughs> Until you buy them a $3,000 computer, then you're all of a sudden you're the best dad ever. <laughs> well, maybe they feel entitled to that. That's right. Um, uh, if we make ourselves vulnerable to the opinion of others and to the praise of others, and that is what we are dependent on all the time, then we will live in a very insecure place and we will be hungry 
for more. It will never be enough. And that's, I think, what fame is about. For a lot of people is they're asking for that and it's never enough. Yeah. And, in fact, the more famous they get, the more insecure they get. Yeah, it's common. Brett, you must be very insecure these days. You, <laughs> I hardly do. I hardly. I uh, I love this Tony. I think it's great. You know, and it kind of it reflects some of the work that I know I did personally um, after going through a divorce, and that was literally sitting down and, and trying to figure out all the things in my life I was really craving. You know, and and starting to look at why I was craving those things, and and how I could provide those things for myself rather than relying on on an external validation and an external fulfilment of that sort of joy in your life. So, um, you know, it, it led me down a path of, of finding a whole bunch of other tools to be able to help to do that. And, you know, you've mentioned some of these tools a couple of times, Tony, but can you share with us, you know, what are a couple of your favorite tools for helping people be able to fulfill themselves rather than relying on that external validation? Okay, well, um Self-talk, of course, yeah, and that's being very selective uh, and attentive to what goes on in your head, uh, most of which is rubbish. Uh, might as well not take much notice of that. Uh, for me, the big change agent, the big thing that really started changing how my brain patterned and the information my brain sifted the world for was the practice of gratitude. And I don't mean just writing down good things in a journal. I mean... Uh, the communication of gratitude to other people because it's an action word. It isn't. It, it isn't. Um, and it's, it's a communication of thanks. That's what gratitude is. It's not necessarily list taking, though. That's useful uh, to start to get my focus onto other people and what they needed, and to be listening more and talking less. Which is, you know, I do talk a lot. <laughs> it's a needed thing. Um, uh, I think we're very self-focused and that is a big problem for us. And one of the things gratitude gifts to you is less focus on yourself and then you are less, you're not as obsessed with yourself, which is it's an awful burden to be obsessed with yourself. People um, are often obsessed with themselves, but they're often obsessed um, in their negative sense. So they're obsessed with the things that aren't going right. You know, they're, um, and obviously that's very much, and you allude to this in the book. Actually, you don't allude to it. You blatantly state it, um, that you lie to yourself. <laughs> you don't remember stuff. You know, remember that you don't remember is one of the, the things that you say in the book, and that is that um, you'll tell yourself a story that five years ago was a totally different story. You add little bits of, you know, you know, um, GST to the to the you know to the story just so that it sounds a bit better or it feels better or it serves you more or whatever it is. But because you're wired to defend for yourself, and you said this at the start, is when you go into stress, the first thing you do is become selfish because you're actually looking after yourself. But because you're wired to think that you've done everything right, it's actually quite difficult to admit that you've done something wrong and to say sorry. It's very difficult to honestly own a mistake or to honestly own an error. Um, because you'll support your own story, you know, for a long time. So I think that people tend to desire um, what other people have have because they have built stories around the things that they don't have and all of their sufferings and 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 pain. Am I correct in suggesting that that could be the case? Um, definitely. What 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 we don't understand. Two things I think we don't understand is that our memories are fairly fictional. 
Um, yes, we do remember some key things about our lives, but every time a memory is recalled, it has changed. So if you can imagine over 30, 40, 50 years, those stories about your childhood have, have probably changed considerably. Um, and how we interpret that story will depend on a host of other things. And if you have a victim mentality, then you will interpret the stories as victim and you can create all sorts of worlds of pain for yourself by doing that. But the thing we also don't understand is that our brain does all this recalibrating, changing and altering, well, un quite unconsciously. We're not sitting down going, hey, I'm going to rewrite that story and tell it a bit differently this time. Our brain's just doing it for us. So, Tony, I think one of the important things to do, I guess, in this respect, and something I've been talking about a little bit as we've been traveling around doing our wellness base camps and, and talking about um, honesty, you know, and, and I think this has been a really big thing for me over the last couple of years is really, you know, whenever I hear, I guess, other statements about me or, or things that I say about myself, it's trying to come to a level of honesty around that. And so rather than, I guess, the, you know, the black and white, as we spoke about before, is to say, well, that's either true or it's untrue, um, is sort of looking at it a bit more closely and saying, well, actually, which, which parts of it are true and which parts of it are untrue, you know, understanding that, I guess there's always an element of grey there. It's never just black and white. And being able to sort of take ownership of the things that are true and, and then being able to do something about it. But also, as you said before, you know, some of the stuff we say about ourselves, some of the stuff other people say about us can be crap. And, and so understanding what's not true as well and, and what we don't need to, I guess, focus on and do anything about as well. Do you think that's, I guess, an important ingredient here is the ability to to see both sides of the equation and to have an element of honesty about all of these conversations that are going on between us and other people and also between us and ourselves? Yeah, absolutely. I do think we need to get a lot more honest with ourselves. But also, like, I think if we are going to actually grow, so if we want to grow, and a lot of people don't, but if we do want to grow, then we've got to get a lot more honest with ourselves. And I think we've got to come to understand that we are both nice and mean. And we are both <laughs> kind and impatient. You know, we, we, there is a lot, we're not one or the other. Yeah. You know, what, people aren't one thing. We are a mix. And given the situation, given the right situation, we can be very cruel. And given the right situation, we can be very kind. And we tend to be kind and compassionate to those we like. <laughs> and we tend to be unkind and uncompassionate to those we don't. So if we can step back a bit from ourselves, and begin to observe our own behaviour and all the chatter in our head, then we can begin to kind of take note of that which we're not happy with and improve on it mm. um, and take steps. But if we if we won't admit where we fail and if we won't be honest in a situation and if we just blame and excuse, then we actually can't grow. Mm. That, that, that is a good point. It's a great point. Tony... There's so much that we could do around shifting our thought process or shifting our language and it feels like we continue to refine it and, you know, even in just me asking questions today, I, I feel like I'm having to be very, very careful of the things that I say because there's a point in the book that you that you spoke about um, your mum reading the book and, <laughs> and, you, and she came across a quote that you said that she said that she swears that she didn't say. Um, yeah. And and it's a reminder of how powerful language can actually be. 
And so yeah. I'm conscious and cautious at the same time of being correct in the words that I'm choosing to use, um, just in case <laughs> I, answer, I ask a question wrong or I say something that actually um, takes a, the conversation in a different direction. But the point that you make in that is that words can be remembered and taken into or out of context very, very easily. Um, and then that can affect someone's outcome of their life. Um, so you say that your mum said that your husband was too good for you, um, but she swears yep. that she never said that. Yep. Isn't it amazing yep. that we can have those conversations with ourselves? <laughs> what, what, she, what was hilarious is she's editing my book and all through the book I'm talking about that when we feel that something we do or say is in contrast with the way we like to think we are, in our little picture of ourselves, which is usually a much kinder version of ourselves, um, then we, our brain will tend to fill in the information that it wants in there so that we don't become face-to-face like with our real. Yeah, yeah. It'll fill in some information. So when my mum found found that in the book and said, look, I this is n- this is not something I would ever have said I am not like that. And I was like, exactly. The reason you're saying you didn't say it is because you don't. it doesn't fit with your perception of you. Um, you know, this is exactly the situation where we would go, oh, I didn't do or say that, where we are able to actually marry that with ourselves. And so we'll find some reason why that little bit of behaviour or that little bit of something is in our life, we'll go, oh, yeah, look, my mum was like this and she did that, or uh, I was extremely tired. I, that's an aberration. Um, so we excuse or blame away the stuff in our life that doesn't make us feel comfortable about us. With a circumstance or a reason or a whatever. Yeah, and we're really quick to do it. We do it in seconds. <laughs> it's amazing, Tony. Well, now that we've kind of gone to that topic, Tony, I'd love you to tell just as a bit of a background about yourself and I guess for people to understand where you've come from on this journey is, you know, one of the things you share in the book is, is your story about getting proposed to and what your reaction was to that and then I guess subsequent to that in terms of how you felt about the idea of being proposed to and, and the idea of getting into this relationship. Can, can you tell us, share a little bit of that story because it is a great one. Uh, okay, so a uh, brief, quick background. I'm 19. I've just got out of heavy drug use. I moved to Canberra. I met a surfer boy, and we're going out. And that's going out in the you know the 1970s peace love thing, which didn't actually involve dinner or anything. Um, that sort of going out. <laughs> <laughs> it's way more expensive these days, is what you're saying. That's right, yeah. We just went straight to the panel van, that was it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going out in that sense with this guy, and I get pregnant, uh, which was in itself a slightly unexpected. But what really was unexpected was the fact that this young guy proposed to me. I was like, I couldn't have been more shocked. <laughs> it was just insane. Um, and then he was really shocked because I, I oh, oh, are we allowed to swear on here? Well, there'll be some little kids listening. There'll be some little kids. Maybe we we'll just start with no, the uh, first letter and end with the last, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I just basically told him to get uh, something, 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 um, and that the idea was ridiculous. I don't, don't be ridiculous. You know? um, 
so it just was such a stupid idea to me. And then I told a girlfriend of mine how stupid this guy was and she she told me that I was the stupid one and that he was the best thing that would ever happen to me. He would look after me forever and that I actually wasn't much of a catch. <laughs> I should take the offer while it's doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so <And> I did. I did, did. I know, it's hilarious. Well, you know, often when people are speaking about positivity and mindset and all those sorts of things and relationships, they've had some kind of uh, training. Like one of my mates is a psychologist and he's on a relationship television show and I, and I, I look at how all of those things kind of transpire and take place. But you know, you speak on real life topics and through, you know, real life kind of introspection and retrospection, you've kind of learned along the way and, and, and then you speak about it, which is great. And you do keynote presentations, you do workplace workshops, um, you do all those sorts of things, but you're actually working on something at the moment with uh, Geelong Grammar. Um, and that's that's coming to Melbourne pretty shortly, isn't it? It is. On the 14th and 15th of May in Melbourne. I'm going to. I'm going to get to do. I'm really excited about this. I'm going to get to do what I've wanted to do for a long time, which is take uh, my relationship material and put it into a two-day experience. Uh, so I don't think it'll be much like most workshops. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun, and yeah, uh, something I th- I wanted to create an event that's actually really life changing, where people go away and then never forget what happened at that event. So that's what I've got planned. It's so, called relate. It's, it's kind of almost mysterious, but you know, there'd be people on the edge of their seats going, "All right, all right, all right, I want, yeah. I want to go." Damien and Brett love Tony, so I'm going to go. So, what what website do they go to to book their spot at that one? If, Tony? if they go to my website, it's on the front page of my website, which is tonypowell.me. So you can get a .me, did you know, instead of a .com? Yeah, but a dot- how about that? Isn't it great? I love it. Adopt me. <laughs> I think that used to, I thought that actually used to be an, an Apple thing, like it was owned by Apple. That's what I thought it was, but I think I'm wrong in that regard. But uh, that's good. So just go to tonypowell.me um, and you can check out all that Tony's up to. There's a shop that she's got on there. You can read about her speaking. You can actually watch some of her keynotes. You can, you know, jump onto YouTube and see Tony speaking there. So you get a you know, real sense of what you're up to there, Tony. And uh, it's really, you know, I, I really have enjoyed reading your book. Um, I've given it to my wife to read, and I'm not sure if she thinks that I'm giving it to her um, so that she can <laughs> learn a few lessons or if she, you know, she's seeing it for the real th- reason I gave it to her is that for the entertainment factor. But I think it's just some really great lessons to be learnt in your book and it is called what a feeling uh, and and i'd highly recommend for our audience to to read it particularly if you're interested in you know fostering and and further growing a, a wonderful relationship with those people around you not just your significant other but for those people around you just to understand psychology congratulations on that book by the way tony it's a ripper you i'm really pleased you liked it yeah really loved it um, Tony, thanks for joining us on the Wellness Guys show. Uh, we're going to wrap up here, but uh, we've really enjoyed it. And for people, if, you, if you're if you interested in getting along to see Tony uh, doing her, her gig here in Melbourne in May, go to tonypowell.me and you can get all of the information there. So thanks so much, Tony, for joining us. Okay, thank you for having me. It was lovely. Thanks, Tony. 
Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of The Wellness Guy Show. We hope you love the new feel. Remember to continue to interact with us and tell us what you thought of this and other episodes. Please head to facebook.com forward slash thewellnessguys and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. This is the way that we get to share our message with the world. For more information about Bredo and all that he's up to, please head to drbredhill.com.au. And to find out more about me, head to damienchristoff.com. Until we meet again, continue to bring wellness into your life and we'll join you next time on The Wellness Guy Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.